Welcome to the I-29 Moo U Dairy Podcast. I-29 Moo University is a consortium of land-grant universities in Minnesota, Iowa, South Dakota, and Nebraska. This podcast covers timely news, information, and research for today's dairy industry. Welcome, everyone, to this uh, podcast episode at I-29 Moo University. Today, we're gonna we're honored to have Charles Kraus dairy farmer here from central Minnesota and a colleague of mine, Fred Hall from Iowa State University in Northwest Iowa. And we're going to kind of talk about his work with Midwest Dairy Association. So Charles is a corporate board member with Midwest Dairy and thought that would be an interesting topic for him to talk about from a kind of a producer perspective. So Charles, uh, Fred, welcome. You want to introduce yourself or add anything else? Well, greetings, everybody. I am Fred Hall and with Iowa State University. Jim, take it away. Okay, Charles, do you want to describe a little bit about your operation so they know um, exactly who we're visiting with here today? You bet. Thanks for having me today. So Charles Krause, I farm in Buffalo, just west of Buffalo, Minnesota. We're actually about 44 miles from downtown Minneapolis, so quite close to the large population base here in Minnesota. I farm with my son, Andrew. And uh, we milk about 300 Holstein cows and we have quite a few heifers, 325 heifers coming. And so we, we've been slowly but steadily growing in our, our family farm and uh, we grow all of our, our, our um, corn and alfalfa to feed our cows on a normal year. If we, if we get rain, we get enough feed. And this year we had a drought, but um, one of those years and, and we're, we're figuring out how to feed our cows this year. But we have been uh, actively involved in promoting dairying and agriculture in our community and on social media platforms and um and we enjoy we enjoy telling the dairy farmer's story here yeah charles has been great to work with from an extension standpoint and doing a lot of field days and is very involved tell us a little bit about when we say these dollars checkoff dollars what does that mean dairy farmers every month they know where they they know there's money being taken out of the check it's right on your milk check and it's 15 cents for every 100 pounds of milk sold and um checkoff has started in 1983 and uh at that point there was about 167 billion pounds of milk being produced here in the united states and now we're at 225 billion pounds of milk so uh, considerable growth since 1983 in the domestic milk production. That checkoff money, uh, so 15 cents is taken out of your milk check, and five cents of that goes to the National Dairy Board, and then 10 cents of it goes to the state and region. So it's 15 cents total. Um, so 10 cents would go to the state and region. And when you're in, in, in I-29 corridor, you're in Midwest Dairy is the state and region. There is 16 different state and region organizations across the United States. Each one of them, it participates in the overall checkoff, which is overseen by Dairy Management Incorporated, which is the national checkoff program. And what we have there is a unified marketing plan and so we all contribute to that. And some of the things you would recognize from the unified marketing plan would be partnerships with restaurants like McDonald's, Pizza Hut, Domino's, Yum Brand Foods, which is um, KFC, Taco Bell. Um, that's one of the big ways we have changed the way checkoff has worked with the money we collect for farmers over the years is partnering with restaurants to help them develop a dairy-centric, dairy-friendly menu 
and and they'll take some of the research uh, knowledge we give them and develop a uh, cheesy gordita at Taco Bell or a pizza with a stuffed crust cheese in it or uh, extra cheese pizza. And once they develop that, they use their money to sell the product. It, it benefits both farmers and the company itself. And so, um, so, so basically that 15 cents is used for a lot of things. And I'm just highlighting uh, some of the big names you might also recognize is the um, partnership with the NFL Fuel Up to Play 60 program. Um, you'll, that's been a program that's going on for over 10 years now with the partnership with the NFL. And what this does is unlocks the star power of the NFL and then the nutrient wonderful product dairy is and and gets into school systems the huge win that dairy got from the fuel up to play 60 program was not necessarily some football player you know running and having a jersey that says something about dairy farming but it's getting into schools and and the big thing we've seen in the last five years and everyone that's got kids in school is knowing that now they're school breakfast programs and if you think that's not important, it really is that we have one additional or two additional servings of dairy going into a children's diets on a breakfast feeding program, yogurt, smoothies, flavored milk, cheese sticks, things like that. That's a win. We're in over 72,000 of the United States schools with the Fuel Up to Play 60 programs. So that was a big win to have that um, ability to have access to the school and talk about how dairy can be part of a healthy lifestyle for them. So, um, so, so getting back to the money. So we collect this money um, and it gets distributed to the state and regions and it gets contributed to the national checkup. I'm also a member of the national, the UDIA board, which is part of the, the overseeing the unified marketing pro program across the country. So I get to not only see how checkoff works in my county, Wright County, Minnesota, I'm on my county board, but I'm on Midwest uh, Minnesota division board, and then I'll work the national. But there's all kinds of things that are happening that affect us locally, but also nas nationally. And then one of the other things we do with your checkoff dollars is uh, we started the U.S. Dairy Export Council 25 years ago. 25 years ago, if you look back, we were exporting about 2% of our dairy products in the United States, importing about the same amount. So it was a net of nothing. And we started the Export Council to realize that we need to start exporting more. And now if you look back this last year, Quarter over quarter, month over month, we've been at uh, all-time high with dairy exports around the world. And our, our big markets that we have, obviously, Mexico uh, is our biggest one because they're proximity-wise geog ge geographically. But one of the big markets we have is the Pacific Rim countries and, and, and China and then Middle East, Northern Africa. That's where we are focusing our efforts with the export dollars. Um, and we are exporting almost two of every seven days of milk production is being exported. And you think, well, I'm in Minnesota, I'm in South Dakota, uh, you know, I'm in the Midwest here. What does it matter for exports? Well, think of if these products weren't getting exported off the coast, we would have such a glut, a flood of uh, everyone remembers when when China uh, quit buying dairy products uh, about 10, 12 years ago and what happened to our, our additional 2% of milk, it really, really throws the market out of whack. And so uh, U.S. Dairy Export Council is doing a great job. Our goal is to continually, uh, you know, I, hopefully in five years from now, we're going to be closer to 
over 20%, 25% of our, our product will be exported because uh, we are very good at what we do here as dairy farmers. We continually produce more milk year over year. And um, when you think of it, not almost 96% of the population in the, in the entire world is not in the United States. So when you have that much of a potential customer base, you need to find a way to get your product to them. And so um, we're doing a good job domestically getting consumption up, but we're also doing a good job getting into these markets across the world. And I talked earlier about our partnerships with big major restaurant chains like uh, Yum Brand Foods or McDonald's or, or uh, Domino's, and that's happening uh, internationally as well. Yum Brand Foods has a huge footprint with KFC in Latin America. We have a partnership with KFC and 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 I've gotten to actually sample some of the things and I don't know why they don't have them in the United States, but they'll have uh, a chicken sandwich that's got chicken and with cheese inside of it. And I think it's the greatest tasting thing ever that they infuse cheese into it. But um, there's different taste profiles around the world. And that's one of the things we help to do with our dairy research knowledge we have is to um, highlight how you can use cheese to make things taste better and stay warmer. And, um, and then one of the big things we have, uh, if you look into Japan right now, they have a, a pizza over there. It's called the New Yorker and it's a kilo. It's 2.2 pounds of cheese on one pizza. And it's just, and uh, yeah, it's like eating fondue pizza, but um, you know, they, they like it. And, and that's one of the things that we're doing is not just exporting. Uh, our goal is not to just make class four weight, uh, you know, um, uh, dry milk, whole milk powder and ship it over. It's to get higher value products in the export market. And that's one of the things we're working on. And then also developing a um, made in the USA, grown in the USA label um, for dairy products. And that that has value to it, that our product is good. It's superior to other markets and, and it's, it's a product that they want. And so um, these partnerships, we have both domestic partnerships and international, and they're, they've been about us both ways, having these um, partnerships. So how's that going, Charles? Does, does the U.S. have a pretty good reputation or the Midwest have a good reputation around the world as having good dairy products? Especially see that in Pacific Rim countries. Um, uh, you know, Vietnam, Korea, uh, and I, it list, look, if you, if you start looking at the, the, you know, the East Coast, the East Coast of the Pacific Rim, that's where a lot of our exports are going. And then China is a big market, obviously, too, but that's a whole nother entity in and in itself. But we did actually set up the U.S. Center for Dairy Excellence uh, in, in um, Bangkok, and we have an office there. And the thing is, you can't just keep saying that, oh, we have the greatest thing. You have to have relationships. You have to have a place where people can come. And so we have a test kitchen and people can come and, and see U.S. made products and how that can go into the diet of whatever country you're from and develop those relationships. When we when we talk about exports, we're always worried about what New Zealand and not so, not so much Australia anymore, but mainly New Zealand. What are they doing? And then what the European union is doing because new zealand's basically you know over 90 percent export market and and they have you know they have close to uh, i think the number i heard was 70 some people on the ground in these other countries and whereas we have two or three and so we're trying to get more of a actual physical presence of people there developing relationships because there's a lot 
lot can be said by a handshake than than uh, you know not you know not seeing someone in person. And and so we have established the United States has established that we are not in this just to get rid of our extra product. We're in this for the long haul. We can be considered a reliable, consistent source of dairy and and the the quality will be set uh, you know second to none that um, when you get something with that you know whatever label or whatever co-op name in on it it's going to be a quality product and and that's that's developing a quality and reliable product is good business no matter what you're trying to sell because dairy is such an economic engine are we seeing once the taste for dairy, whether it's a, a two kilo cheese pizza, are we are going to see those countries developing their own dairy industry? That's a good question. You know, they, they already do. But the thing is, a lot of these countries aren't big enough to have a big enough dairy herd to do it. And so that, it, you know, it's not like we're against them developing their own dairy. But when you have 1.4 billion people in China, you, you just can't have enough cows to feed them. And so when people develop that taste, when they're, the economies around the world are building, when people have more money, they want to quit eating rice. They want to eat something that tastes good and is good for their family and, and dairy and, and, you know, and then red meat. It, that's a good thing. And they like that. They like the taste and they know that it's good for them. And so it's good that we can capitalize on this that you know it's you go back and if you can lift the whole world up it's gonna it's gonna benefit us all like i said there's different you know it's not like we just uh this is what we have in america this is what we want you to have we're trying to develop products that are specific for a country or a region that's something that we wouldn't probably consider in our american diet but that's you know we don't all the same and that's good that we're not all the same because there's a lot of different things you can make out of uh, milk from a dairy cow. And, and so that's one of the things. But, you know, to bring bring this all back down to what is how is this in the Midwest? I know that right there and it, it probably was a very inopportune time, but right before the COVID pandemic hit, AMPI right here in Minnesota was uh, doing an exclusive offer with Shake Shack in China uh, to get going in there to be a supplier of cheese for them. And so that was just, you know, we're starting to get. Um, some of the partnerships aren't always with McDonald's or Pizza Hut. It's with co-ops and co-ops is where most of us market our milk. And so we try to help co-ops develop products that can be sold both domestically and internationally. And that was one of the things that goes back to something here in the Midwest was helping them to, to uh, maybe we can line, line up the, uh, the U.S. Dairy Export Council can line up the people that you need to talk to and help you direct you in that way. Because if you look at checkout, people always want to look at their milk check and say, well, if you're selling so much extra milk to everyone, how come my milk check is, you know, $17 and then, you know, it hasn't gone up the exact verbiage of what Chekhov was set up to was not to raise the price of milk. It was to sell more dairy products and use research and development to do that. Dairy Chekhov doesn't sell anything. It, it sells an image. It sells a product. It develops consumer trust, and it helps to leverage other people's money to sell more dairy. And so it plays a very important role um, we think of a lot of times dairy farmers, once that milk truck leaves their driveway, uh, they think their job's done, but it's not, you know, it's, we're, we're just the start of the food system and, and it needs to reach a consumer and we need to make a product that the consumer wants with that. 
milk that leaves our farm. And Chekhov is there to help use research, help uh, develop products and develop a supply chain and assist people in selling that product. Charles, that's one of the things you hear is that we don't make the right products mix in the U.S. or the right consistency for some of the foreign, whether it's ta their taste or their products. Is that changing or does Midwest Dairy work in that arena at all or not really? We, you know, we do. We have in, in South Dakota State, and that's part of the, the Dairy Research Center out there in South Dakota State, but that's part of the whole um, Midwest Dairy is part of that. And University of Minnesota and, and Iowa and all the state, uh, you know, most of the states that are involved in Midwest area are part of this research thing, coming up with new ways to to make these products that we can export and sell. You know, we sell most of our product is domestic here, so I don't want to specifically talk about exports the whole time. But um, you know, if you look at some of the things that are pretty boring, you know, like spore content and if we can get that spore content down in our in our powder, the shelf life is longer. And so by using the research, meticulous research, we can make a better product from day one that, that'll last longer. And maybe it doesn't get exported, but maybe it gets it takes a while to get through the supply chain and it, and it stays viable and good that way. Um, we actually have a trade mission going to Dubai in the Middle East, nor uh, Northern Africa here first week in November. I think it's four or five dairy farmers from across the country that are um, going over there on a trade mission for dairy checkoff. Um, Alex Peterson would be representing Midwest Dairy on the trade mission and get a little bit over there, talk about United States dairy and what it can do and what the flavor flavor and the quality we can provide. It's a big risk, you know, different co-ops, it, it's, it's a it's big risk to build a whole plant strictly based on a foreign market if you can't guarantee that that market's going to keep buying it. I know DFA um, did a, a project with China and we had a boatload of uh, shelf-stable milk going over there and we called it California Gold because everyone and everyone around the world thinks of California and so we thought that was a good name and we sent it over there and then China's government's wheels got turning and the boat got turned away at the port and, and we ended up selling it for, you know, a loss to, I think it went to Vietnam. And, and so it, it's a big risk. It's, it's not so risky when you're selling to uh, the grocery store across the street or the restaurant in, or the food system we have in the United States, but it's a risk to, to go out there and invest a lot of money to, uh, to, to sell a product. And that's what dairy export councils tries to do is um, help with the, the, the paperwork, help with the lining up who needs to talk to who and, um, and have uh, right now, we, we actually had uh, Mike Vilsack was our president of the dairy export council until he got renamed secretary of agriculture again. And now Krista Hardin is setting it up and, and she has the ability to get to make those connections and help, uh, along the supply chain to get that across. But um, yeah, it's, it doesn't work for us to send blocks and uh, barrels of, of uh, cheddar cheese on a ship because that's not what they want. We need to make products that they do want. And, and, and there are co-ops that are willing to do that. You know, Charles, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this. And I'm sure you hear a lot about it because as I visit with dairy farmers, one of the things they just mutter under their breath constantly is, why don't I see advertising on TV and billboards selling milk? Fluid milk consumption is dropping. 
where's Midwest Dairy's TV ads? Can you respond to that? I mean, I'm sure you hear it as often as I do, Charles. Yep, I hear it all the time. If you look, and we are doing all kinds of things to get that message across, but it's not on your television. We, that's when checkoff started. We had all these great commercials and everyone, and it's more, it's Milk Pep. And, and Milk Pep came up with the Got Milk slogan. And everyone, it's the most recognizable milk campaign in, in American history, Got Milk. Um, if you look at back when that started, and, and, and it started in California, Milk Pep did with this Got Milk. And at that time, California, when they ran this, and it ran for probably 15 years, um, California had the highest per capita consumption of fluid milk in the country. And they kept running the ads, and everyone loved them, and they were catchy and wonderful. And if you look at California's milk per capita consumption, it's the lowest in the country now. It's the perfect example on how generic advertising on television does not sell dairy products. It makes us feel great as dairy farmers to see uh, see that on television, but it's not an effective way to do it. We are advertising. If if um, you know if you're a you know millennial mom and you're watching uh, something on YouTube or if you're on Instagram, we have ads on there. We 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 have specific targeted ads for people. Milk Pep does specific targeting ads for people, but. As far as broadcast television, you're going to be few and far between to see that. One of the things I like to tell people is, what is your co-op? What is Where is the place you're selling your milk? What are they doing to sell your product? Because like I said before, Checkoff doesn't sell a product. Your, your co-op does. And so what we need to do is build brand recognition. We need to have people to... Uh, it does dairy farmers no good to have milk sold for $2.75 a gallon at the store. There's no margin. It doesn't go back to the farm. But if you can have, uh, I'll just, I'm a, I'm a DFA, I'm a Kemp's guy. If you can have someone pay $4.25 a gallon for a Kemp's bottle of milk, which is the same as the milk that's in a generic jug, there's a little bit more margin there and that can go back to the farmer. So you need to people that start b- developing brand loyalty, like Fairlife milk, a value-added milk product, or, or to uh, have a, a cheese product that people are loyal in buying. I always buy this kind of cheese because it tastes so much better. Um, that's what we need to do. And that's what we're trying to do with Checkoff is, is to build these partnerships and, and have them sell our product for us. It, it, most of us, you know, if you're in rural town, you might not have a McDonald's or a KFC, but you're probably not more than 30 or 40 miles from a, a, all these fast food places. And if you look at a menu, you look at a Taco Bell menu, over 90% of the products on a Taco Bell menu have, have some sort of dairy products, whether it's cheese or sour cream on it. And that's partly in due to the checkoff partnerships we have. And so they are actually marketing dairy for us with their own money. Um, if you look at McDonald's, you know, almost 80% of their menu has, has dairy in it. And, and that's due in large part to the cooperation and the partnerships we've had with them. And so they are marketing your product and they are doing ads on television and, um, or you'll see, I'll see ads for Fairlife um, milk on TV. And that's a partnership we had actually with Coca-Cola and select milk producers. And who'd have ever thought that Coca-Cola would be marketing milk now, but they are. And that started from a partnership we had with them and uh, with Fairlife Milk developing that. And so um, as much as we, we love to see TV ads, that's something of the past. And 
and um, it makes you feel good, but it wasn't moving any product. It's interesting that you would mention California because pretty regularly I see ads promoting California milk. You know, I'm kind of an old person and I remember when Ivan Strickler came to our state association meeting and said, we can no longer compete one state against another. We have to promote milk. How do we address that when people remember that statement? No, that, that's a great thing. You know, um, we, we, yeah, we have it right here in the Midwest. You know, our neighbors to the east, Wisconsin, you know, you got a state that 90% of their milk goes to cheese and 90% of that cheese is exported. And they have their they have their logo and they do very well at it. You know, Wisconsin cheese. Everyone, I think everyone in the country knows it. And the Green Bay Packers helps promote it with their idiot received <laughs> cheese heads. But you know, they, they have a brand. I think California, and I know exactly what you're talking about. The ads they they're do, they're concentrating much more on um, exports now than they had been before. They see the value in that, and they they see the it's more reasonable to be doing that. But you have both the the two biggest milk producers in the country, Wisconsin and, and California, that both kind of dance. They're part of the checkoff, but they do their own, their own, uh, the dance to the beat of their own drum sometimes. And they, they like to promote their products. But I, I think in the history of the checkoff, we've never been at a point where people uh, all across the country are working more in a unified manner. We're seeing that we don't need to replicate um, research studies across the country. We don't need to replicate um programs if they're the same let's all work together and use things we already understand and how can we be more unified on that and we're seeing that you know even in the, the time I've been involved I'm seeing um, the the barriers between state and regions are, are going away and working more toward a common good and and we know that we're such a small well you could fit every dairy farmer in the United States and in, in a small arena right now and and, and that's just too few people to be, be arguing amongst ourselves. And farmers, we'd like to spend way too much time uh, trying to say one way of milking cows is better than the other. And we need to realize that um, we need to stick together and, and tell our message, whether whether we have 30 cow farm in a, in a tie stall barn or we have a thousand cows in a freestyle barn. We're all working as families to produce a wholesome, wholesome and nutritious product that the consumer does enjoy and does want and and we need to stay unified in our message and and getting across to the consumer that way you know you're always going to have your wisconsin cheese but it does move cheese it does move product to develop a brand like that is good um, i don't think we're going to come up with uh, it's too late in the game to come up with a minnesota or an iowa or something like that but you're seeing tremendous growth in this i-29 corridor here and uh it was south dakota especially is just growing like never seen before to think at, you, you look back uh, 10, 15 years ago, an industry that was almost dead and how it's growing so quickly. And it's great to see that. It's gratifying to see that people realize the, the, the rich uh, soil we have in the Midwest. The climate's pretty darn good for cows. And, and we have hardworking people here that we can produce the product here in the Midwest. And numbers are so different. You know, you, you look at the average size herd in the United States, it's about 300 cows now is an average size. And that's what I have. And everyone thinks I'm a huge dairy farmer in my community, but I say, Hey, I'm just an average farmer now. And, and dairy has changed so much. And, and like I said before, the numbers are so few that we need to, we need to be unified in our message and, and, 
and uh, and stick together. And and, and like I say, uh, that's one of the things we're seeing in Midwest dairy, especially is working working across those lines and getting into the urban areas to tell our story. So Charles, do you have any last comments before we kind of wrap this up that you want to tell all the dairy farmer listeners and others out there? I have all kinds of, I could talk all day about checkoff. I'm very passionate about it. We're, we're reaching the Gen Z, the millennials in different ways. We're doing podcasts. We're reaching them. If you, if you yourself are listening to a podcast, you would be because you're listening to this. Uh, we have uh, your dairy checkoff podcast, which is a unified podcast all across the state and regions. And I think right now we have about six of them that we just started last summer in June with the first one. It's farmer led discussions, talk about different things we're doing. Um, school milk. Uh, this uh, school milk is one of them. It's very interesting. Uh, talking about the partnership with the NFL, we're talking about what checkoff does. There's that's one way you can get across um, our message. And uh, we're, we're working through gaming to reach Gen Zers. You know, ninety percent of the Gen Zers do some sort of gaming, so we're partnering with some of the big names in gaming, which I couldn't tell you what they are, but um, I think it's Mr. Sparkles or something like that. And he's telling a dairy story. So we're, we're, we're getting our message across in different new ways and, and ever evolving, pivoting when we have to, to tell our story and, and reach consumers where they want to be. And so if you have any questions, uh, you know, feel free to contact myself or uh, you can go to MidwestDairy.com and there's all kinds of information on there or there is dairygood.com. It's just the national checkoff website you can look at for information. We're always looking at ways we can talk and, and get our message back to the farmers themselves. And, and if they have questions, I think the best way is to have that conversation. So um, feel free to reach out and, and um, just know that we have a lot of passionate farmers that are working on your behalf so you can stay home and do what you do best, milk cows and, and work with your families. And, and the, the fellow farmers on the board um, appreciate your support. And, and we're always looking out for that money that comes out of your milk check and trying to be good stewards of it and make sure it gets spent in the most responsible way it can. Uh, Charles, if you look at it, we don't drink as much milk as we used to, but milk equivalent consumption, we're a big milk drinking country. And it's about, it's not, we don't set a record every year, but it's about as high as it's ever been. So um, I'm not a Sure, that's all because of the checkoff. It might be a lot of things, but I, I know farmers get frustrated with fluid milk. Um, but your comments that that we are a big milk consuming country and we continue to be a milk consuming country, contrary to what some people may believe or want to believe. Fluid milk gets a halo, you know, in, in Minnesota specifically, only 9% of the milk goes to fluid milk in the state. Yeah, 91% of it goes to something else. It's cheese, it's butter, it's ice cream, it's, it's cultured products. And, um, and if you look, last year we were, uh, uh, we were at an all-time high for cheese consumption in the United States. Great for us, 10 pounds of milk, one pound of cheese. We're at an all-time high for butter consumption. Um, going back over 80 years, we're at a high for that. And so that's a good way. Concentrated value-added products like cheese and butter are, are, are doing well year over year. And we have a lot of opportunity to increase that cheese uh, cheese consumption too. So the, if you look at when checkoff started, we were at, I think around 569 pounds per capita, and now we're at 650 
two pounds, I think, per capita. So, you know, we've we've seen steady and consistent consumption growth domestically, and then we're seeing that growth in the international market too. So I, I'd like to think that checkoff plays a, a, a big part of that. Um, you know, like you said, it's not the sole reason why, but we, we come up with these new ways to sell dairy to people in different ways. I may not drink a lot of milk, but I sure eat a lot of milk. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, thanks for joining us, Charles. That was really informative to find out what our checkoff dollars are going for, because I'm sure you hear, we all wonder and hear when we see that coming out of our check. And thanks all the listeners for joining us on this podcast. Be sure to check the episode notes for any links. Uh, We'll maybe put a link to Midwest Dairy or something in there and additional resources on this topic. So thanks again, Charles, for joining us and Fred for joining us on this podcast. I-29 MooU is an equal opportunity provider for the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries go to extension.iastate.edu forward slash diversity forward slash ext.